take some time this morning to share about um, the event that we went to. Um, uh, Phil is going to share some, maybe Tom, Jesse, whoever else we can, yeah, because uh, Tom and Jesse were there with us. And um, when the event started at 11, went to 5, but they started worship at 10, and uh, like pre-worship, and so we just engaged right away, went down the arena floor. And um, <clears throat> the stadium seats 8,000, and um, it was about half full. And Lou Engel, I'm like, oh, Lord, I, w I wanted to see this full, you know. And uh, he said the Lord spoke to him at a certain point, and he saw a picture of the stadium only half full. And he's like, Lord, you know, like, and, and he spoke to him and said, this is the remnant. And so when he shared that with all of us, that it, it made it even more impactful that we were there, that we were part of a remnant that would gather and do this event that I feel is going to be in history, like was so significant. <clears throat> and after worship, which was really impactful, just a worship team unannounced, like they just were, it was one of the local worship teams and very good and, and uh, you could just feel the spirit. We were all up in, in that and then right as it began, Lou invited all of us back to the communion table. There was a platform, probably about the 16, 18 inches high that you normally have platforms. On top of that was a communion table that was, I'm not a big antique guy, but this was like a total antique, huge, hand-carved, wooden communion table. I believe it was out of the Anglican church, which had been donated to the house of prayer that meets in Denver or Colorado Springs, whichever. And um, it was sitting on this platform, and he called us up, and he wanted the senior leaders to come and gather around it first. So I went and Phyllis and I turned around and went, so we went back to the center of the arena because we were in the front. And as soon as I got close to that platform and because uh, we were some of the first to get there, um, and then I, I knelt down and I touched it, like, bam, like, wow. It was overwhelming, it was amazing experience. And um, I just got inundated with the spirit which uh, I've been longing and longing for that to hit me again like it had. And so it was just so powerful. I was overwhelmed by the moment, by the sovereignty of God to get me, have us at this place. Like, I miss a lot of stuff, and especially stuff across the country. So, you know, you can't do it all, you know. And to this feeling of, we're so, we're, I was here at this moment at this place for this event, like just overwhelmed me. Like I, I just felt so blessed by the Lord, like and the provision, how I just was there. We were just there. And um, I was there on the floor for a long time. Like it was really, uh, I don't know what else was going on at the time. Phyllis was standing beside me. And uh, many of us were just kneeled, knelt down and crying, weeping. I don't know, just like one of those times. And the whole event was like that. It wasn't like a typical conference with speakers, et cetera. Like the event was a worship 
communion event. It was truly that, not anything more. If someone did say something, they weren't even announced. You didn't know who the heck they were unless you knew them. And um, so it was then later communion. We were going to take communion at 1 or 1.30, like, and so this is at 11. So this happened early. Then we disengaged eventually from that worship, went back to our seats. There was always something going on, you know, and and Lou sharing his testimony about how they got here. Then he called us back to the table for the actual communion event. And um, again, we were up sitting in our seats, at, I th- believe when it started, and then he calls the senior leaders back, which Phyllis and I are always reluctant to you know, find a hiding place. To... So back up we went and uh, and there were people all around this time, so we're very happy to stand back, you know, a couple rows. And some lady praying for, you know, she looks back at us like, get up here, get up here. There was one hole opening, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm trying not to be reluctant, like, just, just do it, you know. And uh, we stand up, we're, we're again right at that platform, at the edge of the platform. I can reach out and touch the communion table. It's right in front of me, and there's just enough room for the people, Lou Engel and this Anglican priest, and then this Messianic Jewish rabbi. Like, we know there's Messianic Jews, but a, a Messianic rabbi? Like, that, and I'm looking at this guy. I was overwhelmed just by the sight of that. And at one point, he starts dancing. If you watch the event, you see him dance. Like, he was engaged. And him and this Anglican priest that, that they serve communion, I'm like, oh, it was just overwhelming that here are these men, like we've, especially churches like ours, we're less like denominational church, like check, you know. And uh, here were two men that were still engaged in the spirit, very. And that Anglican priest, if you heard the event, he starts singing a worship song. They kind of played a background music and the worship team was playing. Oh, oh my, it just was amazing. And, and, and so I'm observing this and getting ready to participate, and they pass out little communion things for us, and stick it in your pocket, you know, those ones with a little wafer in the top, you know, and peel back, and it's like, but it was what, you know, how else do you do a large crowd? But I know that wasn't enough. They were passing out communion cups and crackers, bread, whatever, for the senior leaders that were standing around. So it's like, you know, so you're engaging, and at one point I look up, and I see my bright blue shirt in the on the screen, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I hadn't paid attention. The cameras were just on the other side of it looking, and there were different, a couple different, two different cameras. <clears throat> oh, I don't dare f- tell Phyllis, I'll lose her right there on the spot. <laughs> you know, she'll just go hide under it. It was, again, it was so, I was happy for any of you that were watching it to be able to see us there, like, that was, I was happy for you. It was awkward for us, but it was so neat. I know how I would feel if my leader went to something clear across the nation, and, and there you are, like right in the midst of it. So it, it, was, it was so powerful. Of course, we've been, and it shows more and more. I say this often, if I teach something again, I'm like, I'm teaching it for this like it's new because I'm seeing new levels of it. It's like I never taught it before. Or I preach out of this passage and it just 
all my life, they keep growing. I can go back to the same place, but I don't have the same message. Like, it's more. It's deeper. It's more revelation. And that's how communion's been. And the Lord has sovereignly led us in our little place, our little group, to honor communion the way we do, to keep doing it. And it's interesting, we've placed it in the middle of our service. Well, the whole picture that Lou is presenting is in this revelation he's had by dreams and visions, big, big story. If you get, can watch any of that stuff, it's worth watching. Like there are videos about him explaining how they got here. A lot of people were involved, not in organizationally, though this thing was very organized, but in revelations and dreams and different prof prophetic people that had relationship with each other, they just start spinning off of each other and click, click, and a dream here and a vision there and a dream here. And, a, and, and it just grows and you realize, wow, the Lord's really, really, really in this thing. And that the, it was the kickoff of, of this is our hope and prayer. Well, it's prophetically. It's like this is what Bob Jones prophesied too, a billion soul harvest. We were just listening again to Mike Bickle tell about their history and how Bob Jones came. And, and he keeps telling Mike, don't pay attention to this stuff. This is just little. Mike was trying to, he had a 500 youth at the time, a youth group, and he thought it was doing pretty good. And Bob's like, no, this is just to keep you busy, Mike. That's, that's all this is. What's coming is, you know, you're going to have all these people on staff. And Mike's like, yeah, right, just didn't believe much of any of it. And in that was this prophecy, there's, what what this movement, this prayer movement is going to bring is a billion soul harvest. And and then for communion to come into alignment without the, the revelations of communion. And the concept is this, that finally, for once, Jesus will be the center. Instead of a man, instead of an organization, instead of whatever, Jesus will be in the center. And so they set this communion table up in the center of the arena. And the visual like it was so impactful that's what phyllis and i would like to do after the wedding for next sunday um yeah ne next sunday though it's just going to be a breakdown worship i'm not going to even try to put things back together before then but we're going to move the table into the center and and it, it and and just with the elements on it like it's such a picture and the more you gaze at it the more revelation you get and so after the event, I'll jump to this, and then I'm going to let Phyllis share. Phyllis and I, we spent a day or a day and a half with Tom and Jesse, which was just so neat how that all worked out. We were on the same flight going out, and, and uh, we, we just coordinated that we would be together. It was really a treat. It was really neat. And uh, we went up to Pikes Peak, and we did different things. And, and uh, we took them back to the airport, and then Phyllis and I went on up to Estes Park, the mouth of the Rocky Mountain National Park forest, stayed there for three more nights and went hiking and different things. And we were driving up into the Rocky Mountain National Park in the car that it would have been, uh, it would have been Tuesday morning because we took you guys back on Monday. And as I'm, I, I'm just full of what we've just experienced, like it's still, you're still absorbing it and taking it and affected by it. And this old song that I wrote comes back to my mind, and I start going through the words in my mind just as we're driving. It's beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous. And uh, I, I start to cry, like, and I'm singing these words, and I realize 
the words I wrote, like you write something and at the level I'm at now, like it's like, oh my God, I didn't have a clue. Like the words were so powerful. And uh, it was so long ago, uh, we were joking, I think we're gonna have to start calling my songs hymns because they've been around that long. Like we're 40 plus, we've been married 42 years and even that, I see the blood was written before we got married, wasn't it? So yeah, they're 45, 46, 47 years old. Yeah, it's like they're, they're hymns. <laughs> and uh, Stephanie, how do you say no to your niece? She wants me to sing another song that I wrote back then called Come I Want to Talk to You. And I'm thinking, Stephanie, it's not really a wedding song. Like, you know, it's like a prophetic word from the Lord calling you to come to come, come I want to talk to you. And uh, I, I'm like, anybody else, I'd have been like, no. Sometimes Phyllis wants me to sing it in prayer. I'm like, no, like, leave it. Like, you know, and, and, and I'm like, I can't say no to her. So this song's come back up. And, uh, and I went, oh my gosh, but the exhortation that you give a married couple when they're getting married is to invite the Lord into the marriage, yeah? And it's a prophetic, it's a prophetic word. Come, I wanna to talk to you, be still a little while. Come away from all the rest and say that you're my child. I'm concerned about the way you're trusting in yourself. Don't you know it's dangerous to live without my help? And this stuff's coming back and I'm blown away about what I wrote, not having that much of a clue, honestly. And I was again impacted. There were all the words and the concepts in this song, I see the blood. I'm like, oh my gosh. When I took over this church and began to lead it. I was very young and not really ready. And in decisions, I had, I made decisions about this property and about coming here. I had other friends in leadership and pastors and stuff that told me I was stupid for doing that. Like, why would you pick there? That's da da da. And um, I had to reconcile that criticism yeah, friends, friends can, yeah, friends and relatives, they can, yeah, you gotta love them, gotta, you know, it's like, well, they can say the things that just get right to you. Um, I had to make a decision about whether I could trust the Lord to lead me as a young man that didn't know very much. Because if I had a son, I would, I would lead him even though he's young and didn't know what he was doing, any part I could play to help, you know, to help him and guide him, I would be there. And I made that decision to just trust the Lord regardless of the counsel that was around me or the advice that was around me. Like, I've got to trust the Lord to lead me as a young, naive young man. And as I've done that with bumps and tumbles and spills and all of those things, the Lord's been so faithful the more you look at who he kept working on us to become, the more you go, oh my gosh. Sovereignly, he kept directing our paths. We never were able to really join up with any other big movement, but we reaped from all of them. And, and in the, at the end of the day, the Lord 
formed us and made us and put us exactly where he wanted us and made us, is making us the people, still forming us the people that he wanted to form and make. And your, your trust just grows and your brokenness to realize like, wow, how sovereign he was, how patient and through all your stuff he keeps, he just ever is guiding you. And when you come out at the end of the, we, we walked on some amazing trails up the, up the mountain and you come to the destination, a lake, two, two, two trails, two, two walks that Phyllis and I went on up in the Mount, Rocky Mountains they both had lakes at the top of them, Gem Lake, and the other one was uh, Beers, Beerstadt Lake. And uh, unusual to have a lake on top of a mountain, but there they were, and just beautiful. They're like, and, and you go all this journey over rocks and up through and all this long journey, climbing altitude, and you get there, and here's this place that the Lord's, like, it was just so, there was so all around us was all of this, visual, uh, impactful stuff that just, you know, touched us. And uh, Phyllis and I, we don't make videos, as you all know, but we did make one on top of Beers.Lake. And if you get a chance to see it, it was just short. But uh, we didn't, we, Phyllis didn't bring her phone. I had mine so I could make the recording, but we, you know, couldn't read Psalms 23 or we'd have both read it. Like, I couldn't remember it well enough to read it, not, not when I'm taking a video. So... Phyllis did like three verses of it or something as I took a video of this lake. It's really, it really turned out neat, so simple. You did, did you hold the whole chapter? You did the whole thing, the whole thing. I was saying, just do three verses, that'll be great. But she did the whole thing. And um, it, it, it's just, you can just feel like peace, the beauty, like to come to a place where there's still waters. And he restores your soul in that place. Like he's ever faithful, he's there. We can get there and find him. So, um, I may come back and share more. But Phyllis, would you like to come up and share? Tom, Tom, would you like to come up and share? Tom, I ask you to come up and share. You probably wouldn't like to. Uh, I'll be short and sweet. Uh, yeah, it was it was real neat to to get out there. Uh, and there was just just grace on it the whole way, which was was very cool. Um, and I just I'll just you know second what what Pastor Rick had has said about the event and just how appropriate it was, um, just to have that agenda of putting putting Jesus at the middle, and and just that as as far as that being the whole focus of the event. Um, and it personally, it just allowed me to kind of get out of my own way. Sometimes I have, I have problems engaging, right? And, and my mind just, just runs. And with this, there wasn't, there wasn't that hurdle of getting over that, right? It was just immediate that, that when you stepped into that, you had, you had the lamb on the throne in front of you, right? How could you not be engaged with that? Um, and so that's, that's why I, I agreed with Phyllis about the, this direction of, yeah, we, we need that at our, at our church, right, to be able to experience that uh, and to be able to behold that. And so I'm excited about, um, about that for us. And it just, it really changes your whole, your whole perspective. 
Um, so it was exciting. And even throughout the event, I mean, it was, it was long, right? It was from 10 to 5. So I had my own concerns about, hey, am I going to be able to, uh, to run the marathon, right? Because it's, it's not a sprint. And, uh, and even after, so we entered into worship um, right away. Uh, at that was at 10 right 10 in the morning and so even as I'm engaged I'm like wow the spirit is really is really strong and, and in my mind I thought uh oh this is this is bad because we're starting off sprinting and uh, I got a little I got a little worried but uh, but it was just it was so awesome how um, how the spirit there was just so so engaging the whole time and uh, and here's this, here's Lou Engel up here who is, you know, he just turned 70, I think the day after or the day after the, the meeting. And this guy just has, he still has that fire, right? He's got the fire and the passion. Um, and then this whole time I, I, was, I was watching him um, more so when he wasn't speaking, right? He was off to the side, but he was still... He was still engaged, right? He was encouraging others. Um, you know, he was speaking words, and he was directing this whole this whole event. And um, and again, six six hours plus an hour of worship, and he was he was on it. So I was inspired by the guy, to be honest with you. Um, just just how much life is is in this man. And uh, my final my final takeaway. Um, was actually on life. And so uh, for a number of years, I have been focusing on just being able to, um, specifically in communion, um, and, and when I used to speak through the message, it was more about receiving. Um, and I think a lot of that just came out of my own background and my own inabilities to receive. And so um, over the years, I have learned to, to receive, to receive the life that Jesus gave us that, that came at such a great cost. Um, and, and so I've been in that mindset, and, th and that's been my heart for a while. But the big, the, big, the big revelation that I received is there's this whole other, this whole other side of it. Um, where we now have a responsibility. So we receive this life from Jesus that he freely gave us that came at this great cost. But now that we have this life, there's a responsibility to be able to pour it back out again. So I, I think I was, I was explaining this to, to Rick and Phyllis, uh, that there's this, I got this circle of life revelation. Um, maybe it'll even redeem the song. Uh, about how how we receive, but yet we're commissioned to be able to pour this to pour this back out in everything we do, and so it was it was really neat revelation for me um, to get that. So there was a there was definitely a reason that we were supposed to be there. There was grace on us being there, um, and I mean we got to hang out with two movie stars. So I mean, what, what could be better than that, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry because I've been crying the whole weekend since it started. Um, it was a tough week leading up to getting there. It was work. It was crazy. And the kids were all emotional because we were leaving them for the first time ever and going across the country. So it was just a tough week. And we joked because I was looking ahead. I'm like, 
hey guys, you can't bring in food, and I don't see any signs of there being food there, and I really like food, so I was like, <laughs> and Phyllis is like, uh, it's probably fasting. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> it's like, um, and so I'm like, okay, all right, I'm gonna have to really like push through. I'm, you know, struggling, and we get there, and they're like, oh, we're starting worship an hour early. I'm like, okay, seven hours. Like, okay, we could do this, and. We just walk up to the front and the music started and I was instantly tears streaming. It's like you just instantly felt the presence from the moment. And we get to four o'clock and I'm like, I'm not even hungry yet. It's like I didn't think of, think of it once you were just in his presence and it was just freeing and, and it's like you're just focusing on the covenant with the Father. And, then I also realized that I had covenant back here with my friends and my parents who kept the girls. And when they were struggling, they, the kids helped them. The kids were watching out for them and Marie and Brady were loving on them and mom and dad. And it's like we, we had covenant because we sewed into each other and with relationship and building that. And it's like, it was just full circle. So we just, and then we just had an amazing time with you guys. And <laughs> we laughed and <laughs> it was just, it was just good, and it's just been a freeing week, and even, you know, just the Lord speaking peace over me. We got home, and I realized I had left all of my hair tools in the hotel, and I had nothing, and I was like, oh, okay, and the Lord's like, how are you going to handle this? And it's like, you can choose which way, how's your week going to go? And I'm like, all right, <laughs> just went with it, and I just, like, he just blessed me in that, and it's like it was still a good week. It's like, okay, whatever. It's like it just carried on throughout the week. And it was just good. Good. Ditto. <laughs> what can you say out of this? Um, I, I will say this. Everybody knows me, so thank you, Thomas. Um, when we got there, I knew it was going to be intense. I knew that um, being with Lou Engel, you weren't going to stop. You were going to you were going to move. There was going to be no breaks. And so, like them, I'm like, I hope I'm up to this. And and like them, you get in there, and the worship is so awesome, and the presence, and so. I told the back room, we, we get there and we're worshiping and it's intense and it's awesome. And, and then they call us the first time to the communion table and Rick and I go up and the spirit hits and Rick is jerking and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, his neck, he's already got a problem. I don't know if he's gonna make it through this one. I mean, he's jerking and weeping and crying and, and I start to weep because the presence was so strong and the people around us are weeping and this is awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going up, I'm going to this thing. I'm going to go up front. This is awesome. You know, because they called senior pastors and I thought, I'm senior pastor. I'm going to hook myself because I'm going in. And so we do. And so we're worshiping and and we're back and forth and up and down. And I said, Lou must be a Catholic because we were on our knees and then standing, on our knees and then standing. And me and Jesse are laughing because we're on cement on our knees, you know. And, and, but you couldn't help it. You just had to, you had to do it because it was what was going on. It was what the Spirit was saying. So 
at some point I realized there's cameras in here and I went, oh boy, I'm not getting around that communion table again because I wasn't on it the first time. I, I wasn't aware of it. And so they call us all up to the communion table and they just said, everybody come, we're gonna take communion now and come around the communion table. So they do, we do, and we're holding back and um, they said, senior pastors, and I looked at Rick and I said, I I'm not going up there. I said, I'm not doing it, you know, and he's like, yes, you are, come on. So it's like, so we push up and we're both thinking, well, we can stand a little ways back and then that woman found out they were seeing, and I don't know if you realize that she kind of grabbed us and pulled us into the front. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm there and I'm thinking, okay, okay, I can do this. And so we begin, we're worshiping, and I don't know that I'm on camera. And all at once, I look up, and Andrew Walmack is right across from me. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, don't, I said, Rick, I'm not supposed to be up here. I said, I'm not supposed to be up here. Uh, and I wanted to run, and he's like, you're like, I don't know if you said stay or no, you're not leaving. But I'm like, oh. So they're, they're starting the communion. The guy sings, and all you can feel is Jesus. And you're looking up at this communion table. <laughs> and you realize who he is. And I'm looking, and you can't help but look up, look over, look up, look over. And here's this big, what, what would you call him? Um, man of God. You know, Andrew. And I hear the Lord say, the communion table, it's the playing field. It's the equal playing field. He said, Phyllis, your rewards may not be the same as Andrew Walmack's, but you're equal when it comes to me and how I see you. And at that point, I went, I get it. And I just worshiped. I just worshiped. I just said, you're right. It doesn't matter. I may not have the same rewards, but we're equal. And it doesn't matter if he's across from me and if I'm up here or not. The Lord is what matters, that we do what we're called to do. And so it was a real neat, a real neat thing for me because I've been asking the Lord, I hate being self-conscious, but I am. Now, you get me under the anointing, and I'll, roll, I'll mow you over. But when the anointing isn't there, and the first time I went up to the communion table, I didn't care. I felt the anointing. The second time when I became aware of myself is when I lost that, and it was hard to get up there. And so moral of the story, keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's what I said, Lord, I want to get to the place where I keep my eyes on you. Well, then somebody, I don't know who it was, said, was it maybe Cindy? Somebody said, did you know you were on TV? And I went, oh, God. 
back to the, <laughs> and then I see myself, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> you know, and you just forget about the whole event, and you go, oh, dear God, and, and again, the Lord's saying, get your eyes off of yourself and get it on what I was doing. So I want to say this. We're going to do this communion service, but I want to tell you something. Back in... 1995, the Lord gave us, Rick and I, a video, and it was, and I think I shared this before, but his name was Reuben, Dick Reuben, and he taught on the Passover and he taught on communion, and as I listened to it, I went, this is so important, this is so important, we've got to be doing this, because Rick was Baptist, I was Catholic, and he didn't believe in taking communion all the time. It's like, we don't need to be doing that. And I'm like, we got to do this. So we listened to this video, and I cried out, I just cried out to the Lord, Lord, you have got, you've got to change his heart, we've got to do communion. And so he listened to it, and he went, we're going to start doing communion every Sunday. But it didn't stop there. Um, then several years later, we went to a conference by Mike Bickle, with Mike Bickle and Tommy Tinney. Tommy Tinney. And he had a loaf of bread and he presented this loaf, it makes me want to cry thinking about it, which I want to remind you, it's important that you remember all the things God has done. Keep them in your mind, go over them, because part of communion is memory. Remember. Remember what he did, remember what he's done for you. That's why it's important to take communion. Take that time and remember what is going on. And so Tommy Tenney took a loaf of bread and he presented this bread and he said, this is the bread of presence. And I remember we just lost it. The whole room was just, we just lost it. So I came home, we got communion. I bought communion cups for Christmas. I <laughs> I went to a Catholic store. I got incense. I got communion. And, uh, and I remember I set up a communion table in my house. And Craig caught me one day. He, had, he wanted his back put in. And he comes to the, the door. And I'm kneeling and in communion. So he just comes over, kneels down, and we both take communion together. And he buys me this little... Uh, girl that's doing, I think it was, she was Jewish, but it had communion. It had, I'm telling you this to tell you this is important. This is important. Don't take it lightly because the Lord has been speaking all this time. And so I was taking communion, then I get lax because that's the type of person I am. I get going and then I get lax, and then I go and then I get laxed again. And so throughout the years, I've been taking communion on and off, and we have come to the place where it's like no off, on, completely. I'm hoping that you hear what I'm saying. 
start taking communion daily. When you do, believe what he said that he did. Me think about it. Meditate on it. Meditate on the cross. Meditate on what he accomplished so that what Tom said is we can give out what he has done so that other people can um, receive who he is. And so um, it was interesting for me that the Lord has been slowly walking us to this place. Um, it, it's powerful. It's, that's, that's all I can say. And it, he becomes the focus. And he's supposed to, and he always has them. We, we go back and forth. But the other thing I want to say is this, and hopefully at some point Rick and I will begin to share. But he said, I've been listening to Mike, and um, there are things coming you can't comprehend. And it's important that we get prepared. It is vital that we get prepared because things are going to happen and we need to be in a place where we are ready to minister, give out what we've had this quiet, hidden place. Uh, God is going to begin to use us and it's going to happen and it's going to be tough. And uh, I've been listening and Mike has been saying when this billion soul harvest comes in, we've got this, woo! And he's like, no, it's going to be hard because it's going to be glorious, but it's going to be work. And it's going to take us being in a place where we can, we can stand. And um, so this part I'll share. There was a glory there that was awesome. My feet were going numb on the cement <laughs> because we were standing so long that I would have to take my shoes off while I'm standing in front and kind of move my feet because they were numb, literally numb. And I'm thinking, oh God, <laughs> I'm losing the feelings in my feet and I'm worshiping. And it's like, I say that to say this, Glory has pain. <laughs> I mean it. Glory has suffering in it. Glory takes work. Glory takes laying your life down. Glory takes not getting what you want. Glory takes being hungry. It really does. The question is, are you, are you, are you ready for that glory? I want you to think about it. I want you to be praying about it because glory is mixed with suffering. You can't, you can't separate the two. Isn't that a wonderful thing to end on? But, but it's true. It's just truth. And so that's what I left with. This is truth. This is how it is. And we're going to see the glory of the Lord in this place. And it's going to take everything that we are to be able to handle it. Amen.
So, um, what we're revisiting and grasping about communion is <clears throat> the revelation about how much power is in this, represented in this, and if we do it in faith, we're accessing power. We're not doing a religious sacrament. It, it is, and, and it has to do with our level of awakening and our level of faith. And so people have been tapping into this and uh, realizing it is the connection point of fellowship with, with the Lord. It is the communion. So Phyllis and I have been trying to do every, every day, every morning. And in that time, we pray together, um, pray for different things. But, but we just consciously acknowledge the Lord, his lordship over us. And it's, we keep it very simple. We consciously uh, remember all the provision that's in this. And I, I keep referring back to Psalms 103. All the, all the promises, all the things that are in Psalms 103, we, we, those are our, it's the list of the things in life we need. We need healing. We need, uh, we need our finances blessed. We need relationships blessed. We need redeemed, we need forgiven, we need, we need to experience true release from our past and who, are, who we are. And um, so the more conscious you are, and I, if you'll remember, if you were here, are related to how when we have pain or sickness, we will tend to go to the medicine cabinet, right? I've got a headache. What's the first thing you do when you realize I have a headache? Or... You're old enough to have aches and pains where you didn't know you could have aches and pains, you know. And it's our go-to. And pretty soon, it's like you're doing that a lot. And it's not illegal. You're not breaking any rules. You're not sinning. But your, your source of reliance um, is there. It, it's, it's this thing where our reliance is and changing that, and after I had that bleeding ulcer, <clears throat> that I don't have problems with that, but I was taking too much pain medicine since Christmas. And uh, add to that some quinine water and whatever, my blood was thin, and all of a sudden I have this bleeding ulcer, like it was very serious. And it was all because of taking too much ibuprofen and et cetera, migraine and things like that because I had this back, my back went out. I couldn't stand up for a couple of days and then my neck started. And I don't know, it wasn't an injury, but it just started then. It hasn't quit since that time. <clears throat> so once I went through the bleeding ulcer, I'm like, I diagnosed myself. I told the doctor, I said, I think I know what this is from. After I'm sitting there like, where did this come from? I don't have these issues. And I went, oh yeah, it's right on the label. Too much of this can cause bleeding, especially when you get to my age. And um, I said, I think this is what, he, what it is. And he said, yeah, you're probably right. And then another radiologist or whoever, she agreed, same thing, like this is probably from, I said, I'm taking, I was taking too much stuff. Yep. She goes, you wouldn't believe how many people come in here with that problem. That's what caused it. So, um, and I can do that. I think I'm not alone, especially men. We, you're working and to <clears throat> manage the aches and pains and stiffness and whatever. <clears throat> you just pop some ibuprofen, 
four at a time, multiple times a day. I'm a man. I'm tough. It doesn't bother me. You know, that thing. So pretty soon we're doing more of that than is very is healthy for us at all. <clears throat> so <clears throat> when I came out of that stuff, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. And though the, neck of my, the pain in my neck continued, I'd, I've resisted going to the doctor about it or anybody other than the chiropractor, which it just wasn't fixing it because I don't want to start stuff. And uh, I have enough pain. I probably could be getting some serious pain medications, and I, I, have, I have the fear of the Lord, and I have a fear of certain things, and that's one of them because I know of too many people that get, get hooked on some of that stuff. And doctors are passing this stuff out like it's Halloween candy. So I'm like, I'm not doing this. I need to turn back to really rely on the Lord. So I, I just quit all of it, no matter what I was feeling. And um, <clears throat> the only t- then I t- took some pain medicine because I had a kidney stone. But actually, the neck hurts worse than the kidney stone. And so I was on some stuff for a little while and just quit. But the point is, I realized, and then someone said, you know, you can get addicted to ibuprofen. We don't think of that as being addictive. And you'll have phantom pains or other things. You'll have phantom pains. It starts telling your body, and it's once the ibuprofen, it wants that, and it tells you you've got pain. And so you're starting to take this stuff all the time. This, it's normal. We're living in a culture that's got way too many issues with medications and pills. So I know I'm talking to the right place, people, whoever. And it's easy to start into that. And the call, this revelation is, make me your source, like, go to me, not to the medicine cabinet. So I've been walking that out, practicing that. And just the other day, like, every once in a while, I'll take something. Phyllis begged me on our vacation, will you please take something, you know, because it was affecting me pretty bad. So I, I, I took some stuff. <clears throat> moderately. And uh, I got home the other day. I think it was just yesterday, maybe. <clears throat> We'd had communion in the morning. My neck, it just was hurting bad. And um, I, I went, I'm going to take communion again. Like, you're in a rush, doing things in the yard and doing this and doing that. Don't want to take time. <clears throat> but if I can take time to open the medicine cabinet, then I can take time to pour myself a little bit of, you know, juice and get out of the freezer our communion bread and uh, take that, and I stopped, and I, I did that on purpose, like, and I, I just, I'm putting my trust in that, and when you realize what the Lord provided for us, you realize he is pleased with me coming to him for everything. It doesn't bless him that I'm independent of him. Oh, I don't need it, God. I don't need you, God. I'll take care of myself. Here's a pill. Or I don't need a God. I have some other way to numb this. I'll entertain myself. I'll do something else too. And when we come to him like this, I know my children, my people, when they come to me, I don't, with their legitimate things, like that blesses me. It doesn't, it's like, don't bother me, you know. Like, I want to, if you come to me with something I truly can help with, I want you to come. I want you to come. And I, I want my children to come. And I want people around me to come and I, I'm not put off by that I'm like yeah I'd be glad to do that for you and um, so I just want to encourage you to keep reevaluating what you're doing and what you're going to for help 
Uh, it's, it's in this table. There, there's more than we can conceive. And that's why I was so impacted by my, the old song that I wrote, because I'm like, it was all here. I said it, I declared it. Like, it's that little movement of, of really going, I'm going to actually tap into the reality of this, what I believe or what I say I'm believing, and, and, and see what comes of it and happens. Uh, and the other day, the pain, like it really lessened, like it was intense. And then after I took communion, I didn't do anything else and just went about my, and, and I forgot about it, the lesson. Is that not what you do when you take an anison or, you know, you take it and if you forget about it, then you're like, oh, it worked, you know? Well, I took it and I forget, you know, or I've been doing without and often the pains go, the things go away. We're just psychologically, there's all kinds of things. It, it's why we watch too much television. There's an addiction to it that numbs you. Like, why, what is that thing? It's like, I don't want to think. So you watch that. God, get away from it for a moment. And then take a look back and you'll be, oh, what are we watching? This is horrible. I mean, just the average, forget about the show you're watching. Just the advertisements. If you get anywhere close to near regular TV, it's like, we're being psyoped on purpose with all this stuff. It's, it's real. It's real. Culturally, I've been looking at my mindset and how I've, and it's like, oh boy, I, I'm, I'm more taken in than I think I am. I think I'm separate, and all of a sudden, the way I think and the way I look at things, it's being affected by that. And what does Jesus say to us? He says, come out from among them. Why? So you can be free. So you can be a free-thinking, free-living individual. That's why. Not so you won't have fun, because it's not that much fun. Come and let me liberate your thinking and liberate who you are. We are so self-conscious because of our perfect culture that no one's real. It's not reality. No one's really living that. But there's a perception. So there's so much in this table. There's so much in communion uh, there that... I just want to encourage all of you, go after it. Look at your own life. Look at how you can start. Tap in. Like, the Lord says this about tithing, doesn't he? Oh, and I wanted to say, the other thing I was able to do, not only was our trip financed, but it was also the third quarter. And I asked Lacey as we were at this event, I said, hey, did you calculate how much we can give in tithe? And so um, she was able to make a... $3,000 donation to this event, which also really blessed me. So not only was my trip taken care of, but also the, we, we were able to sow into that. Uh, take a moment to think about that. As a church, we sowed into that event. And I believe that event is key to the revival that's coming. They, that, was, that was like a hardcore sovereign, like this is really good stuff. And we sowed into that. Expect a return. Expect the Lord to recompense, like recon, you know, he he'll he'll uh, he'll respond to that. And so, let me pray, and we'll close today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your blood. Your thank you for your provision, communion. Lord, we we want to really let our feet hit the road here and make this real and be delivered from all the pretenses. And all the other things we lean on and come to the center where you're truly the source. 
If I have pain, you're the source to relieve that. If I'm emotionally struggling, you're the source to touch that. If I need direction and counsel, you're the answer. Why do I keep rehearsing how I'm going to ask for help or ask for direction when the reality is if I commit my way to you, you will take it and receive and direct my path. So, Lord, we want to take you at your word in very uh, real ways in, in every aspect of life to see what you will do for us and watch so that we can make you famous being our Lord, our provider, our Savior, our healer, the one that forgives us. And we thank you so much for all of this. In Jesus' name. We need a difference in our world. And this week in the Catholic lectionary, all the churches were to celebrate St. Teresa. And we know her as Mother Teresa in our lifetime. We know her for her uh, deep commitment to charity and her deep love for the poor all over the world. And in the Catholic Church, they knew her for much more. They knew her for her deep love of Jesus and her deep love and commitment to communion. She talked about a communion re revival decades before any, anyone else I know of. And she took communion every day. She said, we need our lives to be woven with the Eucharist. That's why we begin each day with Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. With him, we go forward. And I just want to read some more of her words. They had a, a council on communion in Philadelphia in 1976. And she, she spoke these words. And I want you to listen closely because it shows what a real and what a real love for communion she had, how, how real it was for her. She said, imagine for a moment that we are living in Jesus' time. He has invited us to visit with him, and he's asked us to spend some quiet time getting to know him better. Being aware of who he was, we would be humbled and honored by such an invitation. The good news is that Jesus is here with us today, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Jesus comes to us under the appearance of bread and wine, but his presence is as real to us today as he was flesh and blood real to his disciples when he walked this earth. He can perform miracles, he can heal us, he can teach us, and he can love us. We can talk to him, and he can speak to us. So I ask you to come forward this morning and take communion. Come forward for the body and the blood. Come forward to be healed and to be loved. And you can talk to him, and he will talk to you. There is no need again for another sacrifice. On the days that I don't feel that I'm quite adding up I think that I should add some more To the blood that filled his cup I think that there should be some way To deserve what's given free That's when I get on my knees and I'm 
bow beneath that tree I see the blood It's crimson red I know that for my sin This precious blood See the blood It pays the price There is no need ever again For another sacrifice I can see the blood It has great power I can see the blood cleanses me I can see the blood it heals diseases I can see the blood makes demons flee I see the blood it's crimson red I know that This precious blood was shed. I see the blood. Pays the price. There is no need. 